0: Everybody let's go downtown to the Sky Show, there's a Sky Show, come on let's go. Welcome, everybody, to a long-overdue version of the Quintelligence podcast. I am David Marver of Change the Padres, joined by Padres Jagoff.
1: Yeah, I'm here, uh, finally. Uh, Marver, I don't know, what would you say? Is the reason for the long uh, hiatus my fault or your fault?
0: I would say it's mostly my fault, like at least 90% my fault, um... I have that very expensive I Love You Day coming up, and I've been planning for that. And then I also had my 30th birthday recently, and my parents flew in town, which was awesome, but obviously that takes uh, precedent over a tanking baseball team podcast. Um, but I'm yeah, glad so it to be cer- back.
1: <laughs> does certainly sound like that would eat up literally all of your time for the last month.
0: It uh, ate up a good portion of it. There's also a little bit of laziness in there, and also I mean, There work seemed to and be, be a lot stuff. of
1: time to tweet about the Chargers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the draft was in Philly, so I don't know, you know, if you're not near it, maybe you don't follow it too much, but uh, it was a huge event here and it was actually a ridiculous success. Um, the city did really well. Unlike when the Pope visited, they expected like millions of people or whatever. And that was not at all what happened. The draft was an incredible success. So I'm also still kind of a football orphan at this point. Um, So I've started to slowly sort of follow the Eagles, not as a fan, just as a follower. Um, And I still love bagging on the Chargers. Like, it's a lot of fun to rip on the Spanos family. So I don't know if I'll ever completely shut up about it. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Marver, but uh, out here in
1: San Diego, we don't actually have a uh, football squadron to root for. So uh, I think we're pretty much checked out of talking about uh, football.
0: Yep. Speaking of which, let's switch to baseball. Uh, the month or the season is over a month in, and the Potters have actually played a lot of games over that time. Uh, how do you think the season's going so far?
1: I mean, I keep hearing reports, and it seems to be a common narrative from from the media that, uh, hey, they're playing a lot better than uh, than we thought, but uh, not really. They're they're what do they have like the second or third worst record in baseball right now? Um, They're they're right where we thought they would be They're really bad Their pitching is bad Uh, Actually, I don't even know if that's the case Their pitching is actually not as bad as we thought Their hitting is very bad Um, They're just a bad baseball team Which is what we expected from a tanking team Uh, So, you know For for the purposes of of acquiring a good draft pick for next year So we can draft Seth Beer or someone else uh, I think it's looking good
0: Yeah, I think it's actually been a great season uh, by, you know, our standards in terms of not like in terms of uh, for how the Potters normally do. um, Not that being the worst team is any worse than being 76 and 86. But I think in terms of like the long picture, the big picture, things look okay. I mean, it's not perfect. Right. Like Renfro is terrible. Um, Even the things that we thought he would be able to do, like hit for power, he's had a little bit less than we would have thought, I think. His arm, while it is a rocket, I'm pretty sure it's like a North Korean rocket. Um, oh, getting into yeah. politics here. Yeah, you know, and and there has been some pitching successes. I, I think Cahill's been a pretty decent success, but I mean, it's a little, it's a little hit and miss. But I think when you're looking at the big picture, the, the purpose of the season is to lose as many games as possible to get the first pick or the second pick to get one of those premier talent players that you can only really get by being the worst in baseball. And when you look at it from that perspective and from a player development perspective, I think it's been okay to good. Um, it's also but been more exciting, to be honest with you. Like There were some years where the Padres would trot out like a below-average team, and there was like no wiggle room there. Like They were certainly going to be below-average. They probably weren't going to be super shitty because they had some decent players, but there was no way they were going to be great because they had no one with high upside, really. And at least Margot and Hedges, they're both fun to watch. Schimpf is starting to hit and do his thing. You know, they, they have some things that make them worth watching, which is refreshing at the very least.
1: Well, I hear that, and I don't, I don't disagree. Like, I've been watching a lot of the games, but honestly, even during the terrible years, I watched a lot of games. Um, and don't get me wrong, Margot and Hedges are really great, and I like watching them, but uh, the team's really bad, and I... Like where do you fall on this? Uh, the kept faith had an interesting segment a couple weeks ago where they talked about how um, sometimes it's not fun. <laughs> like I keep hearing how fun the team is. Uh, I don't know if you watched the last the series with the with the Dodgers this weekend. It wasn't fun. It wasn't really that that fun at all to watch. So I um, I and s- I get a little tired of the. It, there's like this pressure to be like, hey, it's fine. It's all fun. There's so much fun to watch. It's a lot of fun watching this this tanking. And while certainly, I you know, intellectually I understand that it's very good and the team needs to do this, I don't feel – I don't understand this compulsion to just continually repeat how fun it is.
0: Okay, so let me maybe – yeah, I think it might be good to put in some caveats here. So I watch on the Xbox One. I have the Xbox One. I have the MLB package. I get to stream all the games. It's a maybe a batter behind, so I try to stay off Twitter during the innings. But it also has like this incredible ability to jump around between every single at bat, and if you play fantasy baseball at all, that means that you have the ability to jump between every game like every second. And I would say that in years past, I also had this package, and it was not to watch the Padres. It was just to jump around for my fantasy teams. It was to watch, you know, I guess this year it would be watching, you know, James Paxton pitch when it was his turn to pitch, and then watching Mike Trout at bats because I have Mike Trout on one of my teams this year. And whatever, and you can fill in many hours of baseball by having a couple fantasy teams and just watching those players. But this year I've supplemented it with switching to the Padres every time Margot comes up, every time Hedges comes up, even even like the Rule 5 guy, Cordoba. Like those are things that I will flip back to watch. So from that perspective, I'm doing more Padres watching this year. And that to me is exciting because there's a change in terms of going from not really caring to watch the Padres players hit to actively changing back to the Padres to watch them hit. I'm not watching all nine innings consecutively. There are times I've watched the whole game, but it's just, it's been a lot of passiveness. I'll be playing with the dog. I'll be doing something else, playing, you know, a board game or whatever with the game on. It's not like I'm sitting in front of my T V and being like, Hey, this this baseball team's a lot of fun to watch for nine innings. Like I'm not doing that. But it's still more fun than normal. I I guess for me, like,
1: I, I will sit down and watch a game like I Maybe not all nine innings. Like as soon as I get my kid down to bed, you know, I'll watch the fourth inning on until you know for a while. And um, the thing is, I did that before, so for me, it's not that big of a change. Um, I mean, even during the terrible, you know, the so-called terrible years where our offense was supposedly so boring, and uh, you know, like 2014, there w- there wasn't a lot of excitement for that for that team. I probably watched 130 games that year, and that's probably about where I'll be with this year's team. So, I mean, me personally, it's not that different. I just uh, – losing 100 games, you know, it's not – it's just not fun. <laughs> like, it's – and I get I get the point. Like, there are players that I want to watch, but um, I'd have to go back and look at the 2014 team. But I'm sure there were players I liked watching then. Like, if I lived in D.C. still, I, maybe I would set an alert for Kyle Blank's at-bats or something like that. There, there were definitely players I was interested in watching, and I, I don't think that's unique to this year.
0: I'll say this. I think our bar for, like, the, the bar that the Padres have set for, quote, fun has been set so low that, yeah, like, just moving towards, a, like, having a process and, and following a process and moving towards eventually competing, like, that is such a huge relief, at least in my opinion, that it, that I have considered to be fun. Now, for the average baseball team, for example, my boss is an Orioles fan. What's fun for them is watching them win games and Manny Machado hitting home runs and sweeping the Red Sox. Like, they have a much different bar they've set for fun because they've been good for many seasons in the past couple seasons, and they have many exciting major league quality players already. So it's not like I'm saying if I was ranking all the baseball teams, the Padres are fun relatively. I'm saying that relative to the Padres in the past where the bar has been set so low, I think this has been slightly more enjoyable to watch. Actually, yeah, actually mean, much I, more enjoyable to watch. But I think it could definitely – I mean, like I said, like let's let's say Margot got hurt or Hedges got hurt, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But, I mean, it's not very you're, – you're not looking at very many things having to happen for them to have nothing to see at all because there's nothing to watch on the pitching side really except for Cahill, and even that's still a question mark in my mind. Yeah, I mean, there, there's – certainly on the pitching side um, –
1: yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just how I am as a fan. I mean, I'm looking at the 2014 roster right now, and I forgot that it was the summer of Medica in 2014. Like, there, there's, a, there's a possibility, you know, I, I would have set an alert for Medica and been like, I don't know, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, I'd like to see his at-bats and see how he goes. You know, Jake Gobert. I mean, these are like... Every year, I understand they're not on the same caliber on national rankings as Manuel Margot, but... Um, I, you know, I don't, as a fan, I, I was always able to find something to get excited about. Like, that's the whole, in, you know, the whole origin of the entire legend of Jabari Blash was creating a reason to watch the team last year, which I think you and I both knew was going to be a
0: little painful
1: to watch. Yeah, but I think so. the difference
0: is that the guys this year you're doing that for are, like, actually legitimate prospects, right? Margot and Hedges, at the very least. I think you can kind of throw Spangenberg into that mix. You know, Renfro's been definitely disappointing. I mean, obviously, Will Myers is a very good baseball player, and it looks like he actually might hit his, you know, 80th or 90th projectile this year and be, like, literally one of the better players in baseball for the next, you know, three, four years while he's signed here. Um, So, I mean, I think when you're comparing, like, Tommy Medica and Jake Gobert, and you know, we can go back in time and find many more uh, terrible examples of those one-off guys that you, you know... Ma- well, that you made your pet any, project because you didn't know any better, know any better right. right? But in addition to that, you actually have some of those pet projects that have worked. Like, Schimpf has worked. I am not; sure. I don't yeah. think anyone can really argue against that at that point at, or at this point. So, I mean, we had one of those pet projects hit, and he's continuing to hit on this team. So I think if you're making the comparison to 2014, I think you you would probably say this team's more fun to watch. But, again, I, it's a relative thing, right? It's The potter has been so boring for so long – with the exception of like a little bit of fun at the beginning of the 2015 season, that like our bar is so low that it's obviously it's a relative thing.
1: Well, let me add one caveat. As a viewer, uh, viewing a team with a terrible pitching staff can be really difficult sometimes. Like, and I think that I think that we kind of realized that this weekend with that the the four hour plus game, um, it can be. It can just be really hard to watch terrible pitching in long games. So Especially
0: if you're going to the game. I could see how it's way worse if you're going to the game. But like I said so – I, like, I, I, I was
1: there for four four plus hours on Thursday. Yeah, the, so the for me it's like – for,
0: for me it's like I can put on the game, you know, go do other stuff I need to do around the house or whatever, you know, play with the dog, go do whatever else I need to do. And, and it's not like I'm sitting in my seats bored out of my mind on the third pitching staff or pitching change in the fourth inning. Because the Padres' pitching staff is terrible, like I can fill that. It's not dead time to me. I can fill that with something else. So, I think there is a fundamental difference between attending and watching this team and just watching at home.
1: Sure, yeah, but in the end, I'm, I'm talking about the brand of baseball. And when you've got Clayton Richard giving up five runs in the first two innings, like it, some that creates games that are, I would argue, are are. are not fun to watch
0: well unless you're in our tanking fantasy league in which case that is the greatest thing ever
1: right yeah the Julius Chassin, the uh, on on the road has been the greatest thing the greatest thing ever for my fantasy team
0: i i actually have a problem in that league uh i had kyle gibson he's on the twins he really sucks yeah. I, I believe he just got sent down so it's like one of those he things got, yeah where he got we, sent down yesterday yeah one of those things where you're like oh this guy's great he's he's a lock for at least five earned runs next time out
1: well, that's the great part of Tank League is you had to. We had to weigh, uh, you know, probability of being released or sent down in, in the equation.
0: Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot. So of let's other... take a.
1: Yeah. We're, we're five weeks in, and we were kind of talking about where some how some of the players are doing. We're five weeks in. I think we've got, you know, at least a somewhat significant sample of at bats now. Um, do you want to talk about where we're at with some of these players?
0: Yeah, sure. And I think one of the actual. It wasn't by design, but one of the advantages of not having had a podcast and having not written anything, and I plan to change that shortly. By the way, uh-huh. how Although many the, days? We're up the, to
1: sixty-two days or so. The of, counter's oh, really Marvel. fun.
0: I'll probably wait till it's sixty-nine, and then I'll do, and then I'll post. Nice. Um, one of the advantages of that is that we, I didn't make any snap judgments, and I think it's kind of cool too because the team, like the team, is taking the long play. So I'm going to take the long play this year. You're not going to see me writing about how Clayton Richard is our unicorn. Uh, Sorry, John Gennaro, for this example here. Um, You know, I I looked back and I was like, all right, we have so much playing time this year. Just give it to guys that could potentially be useful either in trade or long term, and let's just hope some of these guys develop. And, you know, the way I look at it is, Will Myers has probably had the best season for any Padre. I, I think that's probably not really being disputed compared to what you might expect for him. And then I would say Margot and Hedges have both shown that they are probably long-term pieces. I don't think they're slam dunks yet. Margot's cooled off a little bit. Hedges has disappointed me a little bit in terms of uh, contact rate at the plate. Um, but, I mean, he looks every bit the part defensively now after a little bit of hiccups at the beginning of the year. His power let's is talk certainly there. let about that there. real fast. Yeah.
1: What do you think? I mean, he, he's been certainly very good at framing. I know there was a blip um, that was called out by Sackbond Dustin with his uh, framing numbers. I think they've kind of... Uh, returned back to being near the top of the league, he's not throwing runners out. He's throwing out what like under twenty percent of runners at this point. Is that concerning to you at all?
0: Yeah, and it was not even that the it wasn't even the percentage. It was just like watching those. And I know I'm not a scout, so it's probably just you know some sort of bias or whatever. It just wasn't. You know, you watch Yadier Molina and you hear the comparisons, and then you watch Austin Hedges in similar plays, and it's just not. It doesn't look the same to me. Um, but it's again one of those things where I try not to make staff judgments like that because it's he's gonna be our catcher for years or at least he should be given the opportunity to be so I'm just gonna let those numbers play themselves out The framing stuff again I'm not that's not necessarily my biggest thing I'm looking for because I do think they're gonna go to a robot umpire at some time soon so I don't actually think that's the one that I'm caring about so much as uh, the the throwing out base runners because I think when the Padres are good again, that's the one that will probably be important. Um, but I think it's still too early to make those big-time judgments. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, but, yeah, last time I checked, it was something like, I think he had given up like 20 stolen bases and only caught five guys, which is 20%, yeah. So you'd hope that well, would go it's up. It's
1: kind of telling because there have been games where teams have just run wild on him, and that's kind of like the ultimate disrespect for you know a so-called defensive stud catcher.
0: Is it running wild on run. the? So is it running wild on the catcher though, or running wild on the pitcher? I mean, that's one of those I, I things know. Yeah, tough and that's to know. that's a fair question. Because it's not like I mean I haven't seen any guys on our team have a great pickoff move this year. It might also be maybe that Austin Hedges is a little bit more predictable in the pitches he calls, so they know when to run. It might not right. even be that the the other thing. Like I said, there's what? How many games have they played? Like thirty? There's like two hundred innings of him catching. I mean, that's not nearly enough. I think to make a definitive judgment like that. So. I'm still going to trust what the scouts say about it. I mean, the good news with him is that the power looks like it's there. I mean, he has, like, seven home runs now. So, I mean, that's more than I thought. Like, if you had told me before the year he'll hit seven home runs, I would say, okay, that's, like, his 30th percentile. But he's there by the end of April, pretty much, or mid-May, so...
1: Well, he's really following the model of last year where, he, you know, at the end of the season his numbers looked really great, but they were really padded by what was like a week or two just super hot streak that he went on um, and then cooled back down after that. It seems like he's kind of following that model this year with that super hot week that he had, and he's certainly cooled off since then. But But like you said, I mean, this is... I would have guessed seven home runs for the entire season if you'd asked me at the beginning of the
0: season. Yeah, I would have said like twelve, maybe, or yeah, like ten so, I mean, or twelve. He's way ahead of so that. yeah, yeah. And that's he's certainly and that's good having news. he's
1: certainly having contact issues at the same time, and you know that's kind of been an issue across the team.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. They're striking out a lot, and they're not really walking, with the exception of really Solarte. Even Will Myers, you look at his stat line, and it's one of the weirdest well, Shimp, ones you've Shimp Shimp ever is seen. Walking, but Yeah, that's true. But you look at uh, Will Myers, and it's like everything looks good except for that walk and strikeout column, right? He's hitting a ton of home runs, hitting a lot of line drives, driving the ball well, like all sorts of extra base hits. You know, everything – he's even stealing some bases. Like everything across the board looks pretty good. But that strikeout and walk ratio is (laughs) really terrible. And I think if you gave me that in isolation and didn't tell me which player it was – and asked me to protect the rest of the season, I would probably say he's barely above replacement level. But, you know, is it because he's just changing his approach and doing things differently and he's just taking advantage of those pitches? You know, I, I had this thought experiment. Like what if a player – what if you had a player where every time he swung he made contact with the baseball? Like that player would like never walk, right? He'd always hit the baseball. So it's right. maybe it's maybe not a bad thing. I know Will Myers isn't making contact 100% of the time. But it might be one of those things where that feeds into it a little bit. There's like that feedback factor, Um, because yeah, I mean, I think he has like four walks this year, which it's not as bad as Renfro. And I think we should maybe talk about Renfro separately. Well,
1: technically, that's equal to Renfro.
0: Really? Oh, I think I I must have missed two walks.
1: He walked twice with uh, against uh, Kershaw.
0: Oh, how did I miss that? I missed that. I I, know. The
1: thing with Myers though is. He's striking out a lot too, though. I mean, he's striking out over twenty seven percent of the time, so it's not like he's making contact all the time either. He's doing great. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's hitting great. Um, I guess the question is whether those peripheral issues with 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 the strike zone are um, are going to lead to some kind of you know regression later in the season, and I think that's unknown right now. I mean, the thing with Myers, it's it's always been, can he put it together for an entire season? You know, to this date, we've still never seen him do that.
0: Yeah, and even last year, which was his supposed breakout, when you actually look at his on base percentage and slugging, it's like identical to what he did the, the previous year, year in limited time. So it's not like he's had this gigantic um, step forward. And even the projections, if you go look at them. They still heavily weight the previous years. It's not like they've detected that he's changed at all. I just think that he's just, just anecdotally having watched. And again, I'm only watching maybe half the at bats of the team this year. It looks like he's just making hard contact all the time. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, I've noticed that too. Um, I guess the other issue with him is a lot of his value last year came from the unexpected, you know, 28 stolen bases he had, and he's not running this year. Um, I don't know if that's uh, you know a managerial decision or a Will Myers decision, but he's definitely not adding that extra you know that which in, in the end is really just bonus value. But that bonus value hasn't been there this year.
0: Yeah, but there has still been some times where like I know that there was a time where he scored in like a pop up to like third base, right? there was like a series of at bats where he he got like a single, I think using his speed, and then he moved to second on something, or he went first to third on a single. I think, which most guys wouldn't have. And then I believe he scored on like a foul ground pop up to third base, like tagged up on it and scored. So I think his base running is still pretty good, especially given the fact that he plays first base. I would say he's probably one of the better running third basemen. But, yeah, the stolen base total is not there for whatever reason. Although, to be honest, he slides head first every single time, and he has bad wrists. Like, I'm totally fine with him not running. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I am. Like, I don't think it's – Especially in a year like this where it just doesn't matter. Like the results don't matter really. Like why would you right. do that? And if you're him, I mean he already has a contract. So it's not like he has to go, you know, win arbitration hearings anymore with the stolen base totals. Like I think it could be a an actual strategic decision by the team. I'm not saying that is what they're doing. But it could be. Um, so we'll see. Shimp, I think we're all happy with Shimp so far. He's a I mean, lot he's on of fun pace, to watch. He's,
1: he's on pace to hit for like 40 home runs this year. He's, wh- he's, which is what he was on pace for last year.
0: He, he's a great drinking game in a batter, right? Like, it's like someone picks home run, someone picks strikeout, and someone picks walk. And, like, you are correct. Like, right. Or everyone drinks when it's something besides that. Um,
1: I mean, I've long said that I love three true outcome hitters. I mean,
0: I always wanted that, Carlos that's why Pena. I love
1: Jabari Blash.
0: He reminds me of Carlos Pena. Like, if you go look at Carlos Pena's old stat lines, he had some years with the Devil Rays when – I think there were still the Devil Rays back then where he hit – I'm just going to pull it up so I don't uh,
1: – Yeah, for, you know, strangely miss. enough, I thought the same thing yesterday and pulled up Carlos Pena's stats yesterday. Uh, yeah, he had a year. So one year he had like 3.8 war, I think.
0: Yeah, he had 247 that year, but he had a year in – uh, 2010 where he hit 196 but was still uh, a full win above replacement. He had another year where he hit 225 and was two and a half wins above replacement. Um, oh, I forgot
1: his 6th war year. His uh, 46 home run year in 2007.
0: Yeah, but you have to remember that his defensive statistics are really, really negative. I think Schimpf is slightly better. So he gets that to buoy him. But it just goes to show that you can have you know, a pretty good season, even if, um, you know, the, your numbers that people like to memorize, like your batting average aren't necessarily good.
1: So let's say he continues this, you know, and really we have no reason to doubt at this point, at this point, any doubts I had about his ability to continue, uh, what he did last year, I think are pretty much gone for me. Um, so then the question becomes, how long is he going to be here for?
0: Yeah. Um...
1: And one part of that is that you know we talked a whole bunch about everyone talked about Asuaje you know being part of the future and Asuaje is really doing poorly in AAA this year, um, so it kind of clears up the log the you know the perceived log jam that we had in the infield. I mean I guess there's the Spangenberg issue, but um,
0: you know where Schimpf should end up uh, and and this would be hilarious is if Colorado ends up making a playoff push somehow getting him in their lineup. I know they have Arnato at third base, so it wouldn't be there. Well, but second. We could play second. That'd yeah. Be
1: great. He, he's Trevor Story, but older.
0: I mean, it's hard to, like, if you were, like, making a player on a video game and you were the Rockies, you would create a player like this. Like, all he does is hit fly balls, like, hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and walk. Hey, remember, remember that time last year where we had the Rockies uh, blogger on and we uh, – there was all that crazy talk about how the Rockies were going to be good in not in the not too distant future. Yeah, remember how it was our podcast that did that? It
0: it was our podcast that did that.
1: Yeah, weird. I mean they weird. Uh,
0: I don't know how much exactly I believe you know their early season results. Um, if that's going to continue, but anytime you have one of the best players in baseball like Nolan Arenado, if you get even average players around a player like that, all of a sudden you're an 86-87 win team, right? So I. I can see how – if you look at their run differential, they're really not supposed to be winning 20 games and losing well, 12. Well, under the leadership of Bud Black, though. All right, let's, let's not – no, let's not, let's not do that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think – especially, you know, I don't think the division has been very good this year at all. The Giants suck. They totally suck. They totally suck. So there's been a window of opportunity here that's kind of open for them, especially if the Dodgers uh, really don't start, you know, picking it up soon, um, where they can sort of pad a lead, and then you might see them get in a buy mode. And I think Schimpf is one of those guys who might be able to provide them immediate value this year and not have too high of an asking price. Right. And I think if you're the Padres, that's the type of move you want to make, because you're looking at the Rockies. Like If you look at the, the window coming up soon, where the Padres might be good again, I think the Rockies are one of those teams that will be a competitor in that window, and you want to rob them of any talent you can for that window now if you can so people uh, I can't
1: wait to hear people complaining about trading him within the division
0: I know but this is one of those things where like I, I'm totally all for it because it's it makes sense in the context of your long-term vision um, it also might you know if we do that it might inspire the daughters to make another rash decision right like it's it's like it becomes an arms race so I'm I'm almost kind of rooting for that at this point because I don't think Schimpf... I mean, he's 29. Like, I, I can't picture him... I can't picture him being a plus player in 2019, 2020 without playing a position that would be like DH. Like, I just can't really see that. Hypothetically, would, wouldn't you be
1: ecstatic? Like, they've got Brendan Rodgers as their number one prospect in the minors. Wouldn't you be ecstatic if they could get trevor story for him well it probably wouldn't be one for one but you know maybe give him cahill as part of it or something even one of our like just somehow get trevor story as our shortstop
0: i mean he's off to a terrible start this year too not power
1: wise though he's shimp he's shimp but at shortstop I don't know about his walks. I don't know if he's getting on base, but he's definitely hitting home runs. He is
0: walking a lot, actually. Um, I have him on a fantasy team. It's been frustrating because he's hitting, like, 150. Because he's striking out. Like, I mean, yeah. No, no. He he sort of is Schimpf at shortstop. But I don't know if that power – I don't know if that power would translate at Pekko the same way that Schimpf's does. Because Schimpf is just
1: – Well, it may not be shortstop.
0: I know Story hits fly balls and, like, the closest comparison in terms of fly ball rate for Schimpf is Trevor Story, I believe. But – I think the degrees are just a little bit different. I, I'm not sure I would. Don't get me wrong, I will be ecstatic. He's 24. He plays shortstop at the Major League level. He has some track he's, record. He's not
1: Luis Sardinas.
0: He's not Luis Sardinas. He's not Eric Ibar. Um, you know, I think that would be I, I more think than you're a fair. Something.
1: Like, like if, if the Padres could somehow get over, like, the I don't want to trade to people within the division, like, I, I do think Colorado is a logical landing spot for someone like Schimpf.
0: Yeah, no, I really do. Especially because also, you know, another thing is Carlos Gonzalez. Is playing terribly, you know. And David Dahl, who's one of their top prospects outfielder, he's been on the DL all year with a rib injury. He was supposed to be back like the first week of the year, right? And it hasn't healed right. So, you know, there there might be a possibility for Schimpf to play some outfield there. Now it's a huge outfield. I don't know if you really want Schimpf there in that outfield. Um, but you know, I I could see it. I could see it working out there. Um, God, he would hit. Many he also runs at course. He also does feel like a Dodgers type player, right? I mean, they bought into Grandall, who's a low average, high walk, with three outcome sort of batter, too. Um, yeah. Not to Foresight the same degree. Forsythe
1: kind of injured.
0: I mean, I could see the Dodgers making another play too, and it's it seems a little weird to just look in the division, but I mean, those are the ones that are ideal to me because you get to rob them of future talent, and that's your right. competition in a few years.
1: Well, hopefully, the front offices is wise about that. I, as far as the rest of the players uh, in the starting lineup, um, you know, there's not much to say on Solarte. He's been productive as we would have expected. Um, I guess we can talk. We can move on to our two rookie sensations, uh, Margot and Renfro in the outfield. Renfro's obviously been a, a lightning rod for criticism, uh, well deserved. Um, are, are you with me that there, there's really no point in I, I've seen some people say like you got to send him down so he can get his confidence back and get his no. swing back, but there's nothing to gain from that. I mean, he's already mastered AAA. Sending him down to a, a hitter's paradise isn't going to improve his, you know, selectivity at the plate.
0: Yeah, so I would say a couple things. One, there's nothing to gain by doing that because either way, if so, let's say you keep Hunter Renfro at the major league level and he starts to hit well, great. You know, he's supposed to be one of our cornerstones going forward. That's great news if he does that. If he stays at the major league level and he c- c- uh, continues to suck balls, well, that's also great because we're tanking. So I don't see a scenario in which it behooves us to send him down and play a slightly better 30-year-old that's not going to give us any value long term. So well,
1: I'd argue that a) we don't have a better 30-year-old to start with, and b) more importantly, we don't have any prospects. We, we really don't have any prospects in the upper majors that would field the out that would play in the outfield that that he's blocking.
0: Or at least none whose, like, timers you want to start yet, right? Because uh, I think, Franchi, well, I think Franchi Cordero could play, you know? I, like I don't know.
1: I, I think we're putting a little too much emphasis on timers for uh, marginal to average players. That uh, it really doesn't... It's really not going to matter in the long run. I understand timers for Chris Bryant or, or even Manuel Margot, even though AJ doesn't see it. Uh, uh, Franchi Cordero, like... Uh, He's not going to make ten million dollars out of arbitration. Fifteen million dollars. Like, I'm. I'm
0: not really that worried. I'm. I'm not saying that he's going to either. Like, obviously with Chris Bryant, there's like a certainty. You definitely want to hold on to that year. But I think if you had that, if you have the philosophy that you want to maximize it for all the players, eventually one of those one or two percent chance players is going to yield you that ten million dollars benefit. So there's really no reason not to, especially because you're just. I mean, it's not like. Any of the guys in AAA are burning it up like you're like you said. Or double A or, or
1: really high A. Like it, I, I'm not sure how far down we have to go to find a corner outfielder that's that's hitting in this system. Onya maybe he I mean he hasn't had that many at bats and he was injured but there's really no one. I mean even Nick Torres who is a uh, you know a very marginal non 40 man roster player isn't hitting all that great after being sent down to double A from AAA last year so it's not like Renfro is blocking anyone with any any potential more than his i guess, and so you know he's bad he he can't hit a breaking ball he definitely has no knowledge of the strike zone um but what else are we gonna do you know you gotta give him that's the point that's all that's the other part of a tank here it's not just to lose but it's a chance to give extended looks and you know. If you buy the theory that the big league coaching is better or will be better for him, then by all means let him have Alan Zinter working on his his plant foot or whatever. But but sending him down to El Paso and having him you know crush El Paso pitching again, if anything, I would think that's going to embolden his approach, which is just not working at the major league level.
0: Yeah, and he did have that quote saying that he's he knows that's the case and he's trying to work on it. So like. Again, like I said, I don't see the downside of having him with the majors. Like it makes your team worse this year, but that's like what you're trying to do anyways. And if he's good, then great. He's good at the major league level. Like this is the absolute perfect opportunity for a player like this. So just yeah, let him it, just let him work it out. He's he's still. I mean, we're talking like this, but he still only barely had a hundred at bats this year. So it's not like he's had like three straight years of five hundred at bats and is sucking.
1: Well, well, I mean, this was his approach in the minors. It's not like this is new.
0: I'm not saying it's new either. I mean, scouts fact, have said this is something we've talked for about years. for a while. Like, I mean, we've talked about it for years, so, yeah. It's,
1: yeah, this isn't coming out of the blue. This is the Hunter Renfro we all expected. I mean, maybe not this bad, but... And, and at some point, he's the kind of hitter where he's going to go on a real hot streak, like a, like a Hedges hot streak a couple weeks ago, and then everyone's going to be like oh, wow, Hunter really figured it out. And then there's going to be a gif online of, uh, of how he changed his plant foot. And then, like, uh, AJ Cassaville and Dennis Lynn are going to write competing uh, columns about uh, how Alan Zinter fixed him. And then after that week, he's going to go back to, to <laughs> not walking and striking out all the time, and then everyone will forget about that week. This I can already imagine this,
0: <laughs> this. This is an oddly specific scenario, but I absolutely I, – this is – we had the Mike D conspiracy theory, and we'll get to that maybe in a little bit. But this is like the new level of a uh, prediction that I can totally get behind. And we
1: we've just seen the cycle so many times. Like, I know. Like Eric Ibar will have a good game, and then Cassaville will write some fluff piece to fill to fill uh, you know page space on Padres.com. It's just it's just the cycle, and then then the, then someone will interview Alan Zinter, who will say like, Yeah, I noticed he was not holding his hands high enough, and uh, we made this small adjustment. It, it goes back to that time, remember when Cameron Mabin was on the team and he kind of sucked, and then he hit this one home run, just crushed one home run. Uh, I want to say it was in, like, Tampa Bay or something. And then Fangraphs the next day had a thing about how they fixed his, uh, his like, step into his, his uh, leg kick, and that would fix everything. And then, uh, then he just went back to being, uh, like, mediocre Cameron Mabin after that.
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: That's just how, the media, that's just how I, the media covers stuff.
0: I can totally see this happening, by the way. I think that there's like a, a double-digit percentage chance that what you just described will happen.
1: It's just a matter of when. June, <laughs> yeah. July. I mean, he is going to go on a hot streak. He's that kind of hitter. Uh, if, it's, if it's not June, July, it'll definitely be September because he's shown he can hit a triple-A caliber you know, September call-up pitching.
0: It'll be that time of it'll the year like when we play Planks. like... It'll be it, it'll be that time of the year when we play like uh, Milwaukee and then like um, like Philly and you know just the absolute worst teams in a row. so he really is just facing like it just lines up that he faces like three bottom rotation starters in a row and hits like five home runs. It'll be right. like one of those sort of things.
1: Exactly. It'll be like that year Kyle Blanks hit 10 home runs in September, and then the next – the Padres didn't do anything in the offseason because they're like, well, we're just going to start Blanks at first base. And, uh, you know, if you if you extrapolate his September, he could hit 40 home runs in a year. And then th- that's how it'll be with Renfro, except it'll be like that every year from here on out. Mark it down.
0: Yeah, I'm marking it down. Um, another player who's been really disappointing – in fact, I could even say that he's been considerably more disappointing – is Travis Jankowski. Um, I know that he's hasn't been playing and he's been hurt, but even before he was hurt, he was bad, uh, like really bad, like depressingly real, bad. Real bad, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, he can still field. He's always got that going for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, but he also had one extra base hit in like sixty plate appearances.
1: Well, what did you expect from it? <laughs> like he's he's, he was, he's a slap hitter. He's never gonna hit a bunch of. I was hoping for a little
0: bit of gap power. I mean, sometimes those guys develop.
1: Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they're just Luis Durango.
0: Also, the biggest thing for him is actually the strikeout rate. Because like, in the minor leagues, he didn't strike out very much at all. And at the major league level, he struck out 27% of the time so far. It's one of those cases where uh, you don't get to look at the, the, the pitch effects data in the minor leagues. So he's only facing a 95-mile-per-hour fastball with control You know, with where, from a pitcher who also has like a decent breaking pitch. He's only facing that t- sort of guy like 3% of the time. And then he reaches the majors and he's facing it 50% of the time. And, you know, you don't get th- you don't get to look at that 3% of the time in the data, right? You get to look at all of the data in the minor leagues. So I think that's one of those things where, like, when I'm looking at, for example, Luis Urias, I only pay attention to his stats. And I know they're phenomenal and I'm really excited about him, But, honestly, I'm always just looking, okay, who are they – Facing today, is this a pitcher prospect? No, I'm going to completely ignore all the stats today. I don't care what he does against this pitcher because he's not going to face a guy in the major leagues like that. Um, and I think Jankowski is like one of those um, players you have to really. He's well, a. Let's, uh,
1: let's be honest. Like, ha, did you think he was going to be like a piece of the future? I thought like there was, real I piece? thought there was a
0: chance. Yeah, I thought there was. I thought there was a chance he'd be an elite defending outfielder who. Had a low strikeout rate or low-ish, maybe fifteen percent or below, based on his minor league history. Drew some walks, and although he didn't have much power, you know, you draw walks at the major league level and play good defense, you are a good player. Plus yeah, two bases, obviously. That,
1: that makes him a placeholder for the next competing team. Like that's not a, that's not what you need on the play. You don't need that in left field
0: for a playoff team. I mean, that's Kenny Lofton. <sighs>
1: He's not Kenny Lofton.
0: I know he's not, but Kenny I think Lofton that there was won, a small Kenny chance Lofton
1: that he, won bat, Kenny Lofton won batting titles. Kenny right. Lofton's a Hall of Fame caliber outfielder. Like I know He was never going to be contending for a batting title like Kenny Lofton.
0: They had pretty similar like he, minor like league metrics, man, yeah, if you go back me. in time.
1: Ugh, I doubt it. I'll, I'll have to check this, but I strongly doubt it.
0: I'm not saying he was going to be Kenny Lofton. I'm just saying the type of player I described. Really good outfield, you know, great defensive outfielder, draws some walks, runs the base as well. Sucky. Has medium strikeout rate, doesn't hit for a lot of power. That's Kenny Lofton. And those players have a lot of value when they actually hit. I'm not saying the odds of him hitting were really good, but, you know, I'm just saying that's the type of player he was. And Kenny Kenny Lofton. Lofton,
1: Kenny Lofton hit 300 five years in a row.
0: No, I know at the major league level after he got there and was, you know, Playing all the time, but no, leading started, up to that point. He, I mean, his first full year he hit 285, and then he followed that with five straight years of
1: 300. Like, he's they're, they're totally different. Like, I I understand Jankowski's fast and he's a good fielder, but uh, Lofton was a lot different of a player. Like, I'm trying to think of a better one, a better comp. But,
0: but he, so this was why I used him as like a possible ceiling for him is that. Kenny Lofton was similar. He was not drafted super high, not thought of as an extremely great prospect. And put together a couple decent years in the minor leagues, made it to the major league level, had an extremely terrible cup of coffee, got sent down, struck out a bunch, didn't do anything that he did in minor leagues at the major league level, came back into the major league level, and did exactly what I said I thought Jankowski could maybe do. And, again, this is a maybe best-case scenario. Someone who plays lead outfield defense, draws some walks, doesn't strike out a lot, and runs the bases. And that's literally what he did. Now he ended up doing it at the 99th percentile for his career, obviously. I just thought it was a possible career path for him if everything worked, right? And at this point, it's like not even a possibility at all.
1: Jesus. Kenny Lofton, this is from, from his very first full season, had 5.8 war, 7, 6.6. He had a 5.2, 5.6.
0: He had 62 WAR. Like he's, yeah, he uh, did with a 726 on base percentage in that for, or OPS in that first year. Like I'm saying, like it's exactly what it was. Walked a bunch, or not? It, it wasn't even like an excessive amount. 68 walks. Pretty. I'm more, I'm more pretty concerned about him not being in the Hall of Fame at this point. Like
1: oh, he, he should be uh, in the Hall of
0: Fame.
1: He had a uh, he had 2.9 WAR in the year he retired. Like he could have kept playing.
0: Yeah, maybe we should bring him out of retirement. Thanks, some more. Yeah, we should.
1: Uh, Margot, I, th- I think we can say we're generally happy with him. He really has tailed off, though, since that hot couple weeks, and I don't know if that's a case of adjustment of, of the league. Um, he's still – he doesn't really walk either, and I think that begs a larger question organizationally if if that's what the team is teaching. Because if you take a look at some of the minor leaguers – Pretty much every one of our top prospects other than Urias, uh, positional prospects, have that profile of just striking out a ton. Uh, You know, Tatis is over 30% right now, Uh, you know, Gera is like close to 40%, Geddes is close to, I think, over 40% right now. Um, Just our our hitting prospects are striking out a lot.
0: I think with Margot though he's not striking out all that much though I don't know if that's uh, Mar- a yeah, fair example. I'll have to, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll have to check that. Yeah, um, maybe a little bit more than you'd like, but I he's think he's
1: certainly not walking though.
0: He's walking seven uh, percent uh, I think. I mean, he didn't walk a lot in the minors though. He was just a low walk, low contact. I mean, even Tony so Gwynn had like at, a low rock so rate, right?
1: You know, barreling the ball and getting you know getting hard, good contact. I understand that.
0: I think though given the fact that he's super young right I mean like he's one of the youngest players in the major leagues right now he's only 22 and a half and the fact that he's playing good defense, he's squaring up he's hitting the ball hard he hits some home runs like he's had more power than we would have expected I think at this point or at least more than you expected I know that. Um, it's hard to not be excited about him right I think he's I think he's gonna be a stud
1: maybe yeah, not and- maybe
0: not a six war superstar like I thought was a possible trajectory like project you know projection for him. Although I th- still well, think he's there's on that chance. For, he's I think on pace he's,
1: for that now. He's on pace to exceed that right now. He's already got 0. 0.9 WAR this year. He, he's he's leads on pitch for like four point six a team or something. But, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean that that's great. It's great. I, yeah. I think. Oh, I, obviously, I, that'd be I think I, I probably I probably misspoke. I mean, he's not really a culprit of the the strikeout problem facing the organization, but. Um, He's it's just good. him and Solarte, any, really. Those are the only guys
0: keeping the team buoyant at this point.
1: And Myers.
0: Myers strikeout rate is terrible. Oh,
1: oh sorry, yeah, for the strikeout yeah. rate,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the strikeout rate, it's really just Margot and and Solarte. Yeah, I guess Schimpf's walking enough, and that's like part of his strategy, actually. So I'm not gonna give him crap for it, but like everyone else, man, it's it is kind of brutal to watch those guys. If you watch like a couple innings in a row, you're gonna see many strikeouts.
1: Right. And Marco's really exciting, don't get me wrong. I I do think the comp that I'd heard before the season of maybe like Denard Span is kind of how I see him. And that's good and it's really valuable. I don't know if it's necessarily like superstar in the league, but it's definitely going to be, at least locally, like star caliber, which is nice. I like watching him play center field for sure.
0: I would say that Span's a pretty good comp offensively. Uh, but Margot has a much higher defensive ceiling. Span was pretty good defensively. He had some good some some years where he was like certainly like a good defender. But I don't think he has like the like I think Margot has star defensive potential.
1: Yeah, I I do agree. I think I think Margot has better defensive potential.
0: Um, but I think offensively, yeah, that, that could be a reasonable comp. I think there would be a little bit more power though. Well,
1: like it's he's it's like a fancy. it's like a it's like. Digits
0: picture of denard span and then a picture of the guy hitting the enter button where it says upgrade then you have manny margot i think that's fair um real quick on how the miners are doing um
1: i think there's been some really great bright spots mostly on the pitching side uh quantrell looks great uh lauer looks good um there's obviously issues with anderson espinoza's arm apparently is going to fall off uh he's dead I liked how the UT and Dennis Lynn reported about his uh, forearm injury when they shut him down and today they're all talking about his elbow injury so uh, (laughs) that's great that's really great Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I think I tweeted that I've already mentally prepared myself for when they announce that he's going to have surgery Uh, they'll probably keep him shelved for another four months and then decide to do the surgery to ensure that he won't be able to play next year Uh, so that's pretty optimal I think
0: <laughs> yeah i mean
1: and then more at has I, some mystery injury also that hasn't thrown a pitch this year which is a little alarming
0: uh yeah seeing as you just spent all this money on him and he hasn't thrown for you yet
1: i just think it's weird that no one's talking about it
0: yeah i mean i'm trying to think of examples of where that's happened you remember um tim Stoffer was one there was someone else a while back every once in a while you have you hear about this and it's completely hush hush because there was like a, like lawsuits going on in the background or potential lawsuits, teams preparing for lawsuits over the um, medical reports. It could be one of those situations. I know that it's like obviously way too premature to say that, but totally possible that he had some sort of issue that went unreported, lied on it, lied about it, or something, and now they're looking at something like that. Yeah, obviously it's just unlikely. entirely I mean, speculation. I was thinking it was more entirely it speculation. But
1: he's buried yeah. in extended spring training where you know, Dennis Lynn doesn't leave his you know, doesn't leave San Diego to, to go report on this stuff. So you know, it's whatever the reason it's a little alarming that the two top pitching prospects or two of the three top pitching prospects, you know, haven't thrown a pitch this year. But um, and that it's just being brushed off as mild, even though if it was so mild I don't think it would take months to recover.
0: Hey, here's a question: How many home runs does Yonder Alonso have to hit for that to be a bad trade?
1: It doesn't matter to me. It's uh, Yonder Alonso didn't have a place here.
0: But if he hits 50 home runs, is that now a bad trade? Um, 50. Seven WAR.
1: He hits 50 home runs. Not really. Isn't he a free agent after this year? Uh, I have no idea. I don't think he has that many years of control, and we would have been stuck with him last year too. And then he would be playing first. They, they would feel the need to play him at first base still. I, I think even if he hits 50 home runs, I have no heartburn at all about that trade.
0: Okay, so if Alonzo has f- hits 50 home runs this year and Anderson Espinosa has to have Tommy John, it's even still a good he, trade. Even
1: if Espinosa had Tommy John, he's still worth it. Like, if the team wanted to pull the plug on the Anderson Espinoza experience, uh, he's still <laughs> worth a ton if they wanted to trade him. So, uh, I don't... I don't. Uh, I have no doubts at all about that.
0: Okay. What if he hits seventy home runs?
1: And he's a free agent afterwards.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get a first round pick at least.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I'm fine with it. If
0: he hits two hundred home runs,
1: I'm. I guess I'm less fine with it.
0: Okay. So there's no way you're ever gonna say you're you're never gonna have regret about this ever. Never. There's like no never. Okay. The the day they got rid of Yonder Alonso and got
1: anything in return was one of the greatest days in Preller history.
0: Oh, I'm the biggest Alonso hater ever, but I'm just saying, you know, you still have to judge the result of the trade based on how they played afterwards. So if Espinoza never plays in the major leagues and Yonder Alonso hits 50 home runs, I would say we actually lost that trade. Even though I'd make the trade again 100 times out of 100, you still lost the trade, right? Don't be silly. Stop it. It's like it's like if you and I made a bet that I could, you know, left handed throw a basketball full court and swish. You know, you would always make that bet. But if I if I happened to make it on one of them, you lost the bet, right? You would say you lost the bet. I think it's the same scenario here. Like no one foresaw you under Alonzo being good. There's a chance he ends up hitting would w fifty is ridiculous, but let's say thirty. There's a chance he ends up hitting thirty home runs. Um and there's a chance Espinoza never plays in the major leagues, so there's still a chance we lose that Yonder Alonso trade, which is amazing. And there's also a chance that Drew Pomeranz is better than both of them because he's been p- pitching actually really well in Boston. Well,
1: that's what I was going to say. We didn't trade Espinoza for um, for Alonso. I mean, we traded him for Pomeranz. So if you look at and it De Los Santos, as, right? Yeah. So if you look at it, I mean, even if you look at it purely as Pomeranz for Alonso, I mean, I think that the the trade was fine. Pomeranz is a good pitcher. I mean. It's fine, Marver. It's all fine.
0: I know. I'm just. I'm just. And yes, it's he, just he a is. A a, it does experiment. appear that he's
1: a free agent after for this year. So keep in mind, we also didn't have to put up with watching his terrible, negative war season last year, which would have been en, raging and infuriating for us. Certainly true. Uh... I, am, I will have the pleasure, I'm going through in the next couple weeks, I'll be at the Lake Elsinore Storm Games quite a few times, so I'm hoping that I'll catch a Quantrill start at the least, maybe a Lauer start, so hopefully we'll have some some fresh content, uh, fresh fresh videos and stuff of them pitching. Maybe a lot of Javi Guerra striking out uh, videos as well, so stay tuned.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun. I, I want to see him. I'm gonna actually going to be in town next week. I was thinking of looking at... Uh... The no, schedule well, what was I'll going be at the on. Game on Sunday. I will probably be driving back from a bachelor party, but we'll see.
1: Um, let's see. I think we've covered where the team is at. Do we want to briefly discuss the uh, Mike D saga? Maybe. I guess this will really be closing out the saga here at <laughs> Intel.
0: I, I think it's. I think it's absolutely hilarious that a conspiracy theory I threw out there in an article and then on the podcast here about it just being a gigantic balloon to go to intercom is freaking true. I just cannot get over that. I think it's hilarious. I honestly think it's hilarious. And good for him, too, by the way. Yeah, good for Um, him.
1: I mean, he's really proven that you can fail upwards just (laughs) amazingly, just an amazing trajectory.
0: It really is pretty incredible, to be honest.
1: (laughs) My favorite part is in, uh, like, the articles about it. I think Jeff Sanders for the UT wrote one where he's like – He finishes the article as uh, Mike D. and the Padres separated in uh, October of 2016. Uh, Neither has provided comments and then ends it as if they need comment to uh, to like report what the story is. Yeah. (laughs) Which we'll never Uh, get. The only person I have any confidence in the entire media landscape of San Diego to maybe ever talk about it's like Jeff Dotsith. But even then, I don't think we'll ever hear about it.
0: No, I don't think so either.
1: I did take pride in the fact that uh, Gaslamp Ball wrote up the the Mike D departure – or Mike D uh, hiring at Intercom and referenced that we were the only – we're really the only uh, provider of any information related to the firing that exists.
0: Yeah, pretty remarkable. By, by the way, uh, I did text message Mike D on multiple occasions asking for comment and uh, was told that he could not comment on it. So I did – I tried. Wait, after he got hired? No, no, no. I was planning on texting him actually this week and just being like, "Where are you docking the Jimmy D?" But then I was like, "No, I can do better than that." So I haven't, well, I haven't reached for? out at can all. He come he's off? actually, can he come I'm pretty sure he's actually from, from Lancaster. I'm pretty sure he's actually from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is like Amish country, 40 minutes from where I live.
1: Right. I, he went to Franklin and Marshall, so I'm pretty sure, I, I'm pretty sure he's from there also.
0: Yeah, he might actually live out here still. So. Um, well, no,
1: he lived in Rancho Santa Fe. He's on the. He's moving out there though this summer. Yeah, yeah, recorded. yeah. You guys can so, hang. Can you can you do can you get him on the pod?
0: I oh, man, I've given up that dream long ago. Yeah,
1: but now he's a, a communications executive.
0: <laughs> we could talk about their relationship with the uh, uh, the new radio station, right? Yeah, I'm sure. We, I'm sure I could keep it totally business.
1: Exactly, it's going real great. <laughs> yeah, it's all great. Well, I think we covered uh, where we're at. Hopefully, we won't have another month or so with no podcast.
0: No, we didn't even touch on Robert or Otani, so we'll probably oh, save oh, that let, for...
1: Let's talk about Robert real fast, because okay. I'm going to write something this week on it. Sure. We don't need to talk about Otani. We're not signing Otani. Uh, the structural rules that are are basically preventing us from signing Otani. Yeah, but let's I think stop. that that let's could get waived. Let's with the Otani talk. Can, can all of Padre's I... Twitter and Blogosphere agree that... Let's just stop with the fantasy of Otani.
0: I will say this: I think that if, even if it was completely free agentized, like and and money wasn't even an object, I, I would say the odds of the Padres getting Otani in that scenario are still like one percent. So now you have to get over the rules hurdle. I think they might end up changing the rules for him. I know they said they wouldn't, but I don't believe anything they the say until it's like, actually we're done. We're
1: winning a bidding war for him. Let's be honest, and, and this kind of ties into the Robert thing. Is it Robert? Is it Robert? I'm not sure. Luis.
0: It's it's Bob.
1: Bob. Louis uh, Bob. Yeah, Louis Bob. Um, it, it was already re- – the thing is you can tell some things from the way Dennis Lynn reports things because they clearly come from the front office. And he made a clear point to point out that the Padres are nearly tapped out on what they're willing to spend on international spending. And what I'm writing about basically is an analysis of what they spent last year, what they're spending this year, versus what Forbes has uh, – reported on at what, where basically where their break even point is showing that the money they spent on international it keeps being reported like oh they really open up their wallet to sign all these players when in reality they just use the money that they should have spent that you know if they were if they were spending for a full major league roster the money they they can afford to and should spend on that on international which is fine at least they're spending it it's very unmoradish of them but um they're they're gonna pocket a ton of money in the next year and maybe the year after that that easily could be diverted into signing someone like uh, Louis Bob. So uh, they have to do it, right? Like, uh, they're, 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 it's like they're, they're on a cross country trip and they've driven to Phoenix and then they decided to just stop that that they're not going to go the rest of the way to San Diego. Like, it, it doesn't make any real sense.
0: I mean, from a fiscal perspective, I totally agree with you. Like, not just that, but you have to remember the next two years they can't really sign anyone over three hundred thousand individually. So, I mean, uh,
1: they'll spend that the cap, which is going to be about five million dollars. But that's not uh, yeah. Know,
0: there's no risk of them going over. It's a fixed budget item, right? And then you have to figure that their top draft pick will be a little bit more expensive next year. They'll but they'll that's still pool. not a lot of money. I mean, the, that's still not know a lot of what money. What
1: their pool is. Yeah, and, and, and we also know what their major league roster is going to be next year, which is like times, nothing. Like, we shouldn't applaud them for. No team should be applauded for spending their draft pool. They all spend their draft pool, in you know, in this era. So I mean, they'll spend that. Yeah, it's like what is it? I don't know, thirteen million dollars or so, somewhere between ten and thirteen million dollars. That's great. Uh, there's still like ninety million dollars next year yeah. underneath <laughs> where, where their break-even point is, and there's not really a point in signing you know a huge free agent to spend that on and they'd have to sign a lot of free agents to fill that, uh, you know, that payroll gap. So why not spend it here where you have an opportunity to get the best talent available and and really just close this successful chapter of talent acquisition. And that's the thing. It can't be a thing where they go all in, in 2016, and then just have this trickle of talent. They need to keep continue. You know, if they're not going to sign top free agents, they need to continue this, uh, you know, aggressive talent acquisition, and to me, it's just um, it would be very disappointing if they um, don't if they lose out on on a player like this because they weren't willing to spend the money.
0: Well, no, dude, it's, they'll just sign Manny sign Machado. It, uh,
1: sure, yeah, they're gonna do that. <laughs> they're gonna get Bryce Harper too. I mean, uh, yeah, it's gonna be sweet. both of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I. I obviously don't disagree. Like, there's going to be a lot of money off the books next year, not just in terms of who they don't have on their active roster, which are expensive players. They don't have those, but also some of the guys are paying that are on other rosters this year, they will not have to pay next year. So, the only thing I would say is if you don't actually, like, I mean, you have to have your scouts say that he's worth that money, right? If it's one of those things where they come back and Robert's going to cost or Louis Bob's going to cost twenty bu- or $20 million, and you only value them at $5 million, well, then I don't think you do it. And you try to spend that money some, some other way.
1: Well, it depends on how you look
0: at it. If you purely look at it... There should be no lack of money. It? There should be no lack of money, but they still need to be smart with that money.
1: Right, but that's why what it was saying. troubling that Dennis Lynn was reporting the way he was, that it wasn't the talent, it was that Padres maybe tapped out on what they can spend on international. That, to me, is troubling. But they just got that new big radio deal. I know they should be flush with cash. <laughs> cut their overhead like they cut their pregame and postgame in half. All the money's just flowing in.
0: Portello's about to be off the books. Oh, thank Christ.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that that deadline is coming up uh, in a couple weeks. So um, I think I do think it'll be interesting to see if, if they, you know, close out the successful chapter of, of building the system.
0: I will say, though, the early results of A.J. scouting have been pretty good. I don't know if it's A.J. scouting or if it just rolls up to him, but Quantrill looks awesome. I saw some videos of him. I also do have the minor league TV package, so I've been catching some of those guys. Even some of the smaller ones that he added to the system, smaller guys that, you know, with lower signing bonuses, some of them look good. Lechessi looks good. He was a late pick. Or Lucchese, however you pronounce it. I mean, it's hard not to like what you see on the farm, at least in terms of the scouting. I know there's a difference in approach, or there's been some pretty poor approach at the plate, but I think overall I would be pretty shocked if over time A.J. Preller and his current scouting staff does not grade out as significantly above average at scouting.
1: Yeah, I agree, Uh, especially on the pitching side. Uh, I mean, I think most of the success stories have been on the pitching side. Uh, Logan Allen's been very impressive and, and like we said before these guys are all at low a high a and generally like until they hit double a they're you know it's hard to say it's hard to say where they're they're at really but you know we can go i off think quantrell
0: i think Quantrill is our second best starting pitcher right now and i'm being 100 serious i don't disagree like i think he would be i think the way cahill's throwing right now he would probably statistically be better but the way pitchers work in the minors, like, you just see them flash through the minor leagues once they're good. And I think there's a potential that Cal Contral is up next year. Sure. Like yeah. an I mean, up The, the fairly only thing early holding on. him
1: back right now is, you know, innings. health of his arm and in innings. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's been very impressive. I'm, I'm really hoping I can see him at Lake Elsinore. But you're right. There have certainly been a lot of, you know, smaller, you know, lower lower caliber pitchers that are succeeding. Lauer's pitching really well also. Um, it's really the positional side that's had issues. Um, and some of that's age and, and the level they're at. I mean, Tatis and Potts are, are not looking particularly impressive. Um, pretty much no one in the lineup, like Elsinore, looks good. Uh, you've pointed out Mil Reyes, I think, on Twitter, and he, maybe he's like a small bright spot, but you really have to stretch to start projecting him into like a major league lineup at this point.
0: So... At least we got those pitchers. Yeah, and Franmil's actually dropped off a little bit this year. To start the year, uh, he had a, like a really good couple first weeks, but trailing off. Yeah, uh, I mean, Double A, you know, Urias has obviously been
1: a bright spot, and I I'm starting to wonder if we won't see him this year. You know, a, an injury here or there, and maybe he'll pop into the major leagues. I mean, he's I, I can't imagine he leapfrogs a Asuahe, though. A playing like trash though. Yeah, I mean but- he. It, <laughs> I think we built up a Swahe, you know, potential utility man
0: a little much last year. I still think he's a uh, an improved version of Alexi Amarista. I don't know how Impossible. improved, but I think he will be.
1: Impossible <laughs> over the little ninja. Bite your tongue, Marver.
0: <laughs> how is Amarista <laughs> if playing? If that by was the in way?
1: tweet form, that would have been a terrible Marver tweet of the week. Oh, I can put that on Twitter. <laughs>
0: I stand by that one <laughs>
1: uh, I'm not sure how Alexi's doing I know he was looking Terrible He was looking awfully <laughs> Terrible He was looking very adorable last week When I saw him at Peco
0: Park 30 plate appearances In those 30 plate appearances He has 7 strikeouts and 1 walk And Wait for it Ooh, 3 extra base hits
1: on the plus Total side, 0. 0 he war. has been worth uh, positive WAR this year, which is very mm, no, 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 sorry, sorry, neutral,
0: neutral WAR, which is better, ne- which is
1: better than he was here.
0: It was better than his career,
1: yeah. <laughs> and again, it's hard to stress the adorableness factor. He's OPSing uh, over 800, is that right?
0: Yeah, in Coors Field, over 30 plate appearances.
1: Don't sell him short. He's great. He's, he got, <laughs> God already sold him short, Marver.
0: I love the fact that he cost the Rockies a run, which pushed the game to extra innings against the Padres because he was playing shortstop on Bud Bud Black's team. (laughs) I don't feel like we celebrated that moment in Padres history enough.
1: Uh, You know, this is enough Alexi Amarista ridicule on my own podcast.
0: Uh, All right, I'll save it for the next one. Yeah. I'll have to
1: ration it out. Yeah. Hey, another great hour of content here on the Gwintelligence Podcast after a long
0: hiatus. Yeah, we're we're going to do this more often. I have uh, some things that are opening up. so. Oh, you mean you're going to actually write things? Are you going to be yes, able to no. do the uh,
1: this week in Padre's Twitter at some point, ever? Oh, I'll, g- I'll give that a whirl. Yeah, I will. Does that mean you're doing it this week?
0: Uh, I have to figure out what I'm calling it because I, I can't give out a Jaggy, obviously. You can, um,
1: that's fine. I'll nominate it. I already have one saved that I think might be a contender for this week. Okay. I'll do that part. You just do the other part. It's actually kind of time-consuming to produce the This Week in Twitter. But I have gotten a lot of good feedback from the readers. Uh, I ran into Bobby Cressy at the game last week, and he he told me how, how pleasurable it is to read that column each week. So we'll keep it up.
0: Yep, and until next time, go Padres. Go
1: Padres.